Welcome to Dodgers Daily. Casey Porter here. So glad you decided to tune in. Joined by Austin Brubaker, as I am uh, each and every Monday. Didn't have a show this Monday. Went on Dodgers Nation. That was a three-part series with DMAC we released. So didn't want to conflict with that. Plus, went to the farm this weekend and came back from the farm with a big old red rash or chigger bites or something. So haven't felt very good for about three or four days. Hey, Austin, thank you so much for coming in. There's a lot to talk about today. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Glad to see that you're feeling a little bit better. Uh, Really happy to hear that you uh, were able to do some work with Dodgers Nation. We know that D-Mac and the crew do an amazing job over there. Uh, So excited to see, be able to watch those videos and excited to be able to get back into some Dodgers Daily content. There's a lot of great Dodgers content out there. There's a lot of great podcasts. There's, you know, there's for every different niche, whether it be prospect wise or whatever it may be, just news wise or whatever. But I've said many different times, DMAC, I think DMAC is the number one best Dodgers content creator out there. I think he covers every aspect from the details to, you know, the daily part of it to knowing the players and all that. So it was super exciting every time I get a chance to talk and communicate with him. That is so, so fun. So super appreciative of him, super appreciative of Dodgers Nation. If you want, I'll, I will put the link to – there was three different segments. We did one long interview that he broke it into three segments. I will put the link to those videos in my, in my description of this video here. So, hey, go check those out. We talk about the prospects. We talk about the possibility of the postseason roster as far as who might be on it pitching-wise. We talk about whether the Dodgers have enough offense, so a lot to talk about there. And we have a lot to talk about today. Austin, let's start with last night. It was just a microcosm of the entire year. You know, the Dodgers just figured out a way to win. The rookie stepped up. James Outman got a hit. Ryan Pepio was fantastic in his six innings. And then, you know, it ended in a way that nobody could have scripted in the sense that the Dodgers got two singles, a hit by pitch, and the the game-winning single came from Max Muncie, who's going to have more RBIs than he does base hits on the year. So, yeah, I mean, you can't script that kind of stuff. And <laughs> Bruce Dargratterall got to pitch in front of his mom, of which he had not gotten to do in the last seven years. She was a huge part of his life. We got to see Alex Vesia. You know, hey, one of the things that we have been talking about here on Dodgers Daily is that, hey, take these last games and figure out how you're going to use everybody pitching-wise on the roster. One of those things we wanted to see was how is Alex Vesey going to handle high-leverage situations. He came in last night with the bases loaded, got out of the top of the ninth, gave the Dodgers the chance to win in the bottom. So you got to see Alex Vesey in high leverage. You got to see J.D. Martinez continue to rake. Freddie Freeman, he's going to have 60 doubles and 200 hits on the year. Mookie Betts had three hits as well. And then Ryan Pepio obviously had the fantastic outing. So, man, there was a lot to like about last night. Yeah, a lot to like about last night. Obviously, when you get a walk-off win from Max Muncy, you got to be extremely excited about that. But even that wasn't the moment of the game. It was Bruce Dark Gratterall being able to fit pitch in front of his mom and just the emotions that has that he had with that for all of the fight that he had through all of the times when he was away from a lot of his family to be able to finally do that and to see just how much that meant to him and how much this game means to all of these guys, it really does matter. And so that was 
an amazing moment. Uh, and then you go up and down throughout this game, a lot of unique, hard-fought ways to win games, which is what has this Dodgers team has done throughout the entire season. They have found a way to win. They've relied on guys they haven't relied upon in the past, a lot of rookies, a lot of different guys. They've had to come up clutch in different situations. Uh, last night was a really good inside picture of how this season overall has been for the Dodgers and just the uniqueness of what this team has been in comparison to some of the previous years where per se they it might have come a little bit easier uh, this last night they were able to find different ways to win and that that unique ability is something that is needed going into the postseason yeah I, I would totally agree with that Hey, and I thought the the bruised our Gratterall moment, you know, one thing that, that we try to do here at Dodgers Daily is more so than just read off numbers. You know, hey, we like to, to show you the personalities of these guys. We like to tell you their backgrounds. We like to just kind of show you their daily grind, if you will, as far as how they're progressing through the minor league system and how these guys are, the, you know, sometimes you think they're major league players. They make everything look so easy. You forget that they're humans. You forget that they have moms and dads and aunts and uncles, just like we all do, right? So that moment for Bruce Dark Gratterall, from the, the perspective of how we handle Dodgers Daily, the coverage of these players, I thought that was done perfectly by Dave Roberts. I thought Jessica Mendoza and 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 the broadcast crew there, I thought Joe Davis as well, I thought they did just a wonderful job bringing out the personal side of that moment. So, hey, that was cool to me because that's the type of coverage that I like. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think we take uh, take for granted, especially living in America, just being able to have friends and family we grew up with kind of be there for us in a lot of our big moments. And for a lot of these international players, yep. they don't get a lot of that. They have to be – they're going to a completely new place, completely new language – and being there through all of the hardship that Major League Baseball has um, without a lot of their family being there a lot of times. And so when you get that opportunity to do that, whether it is sending some video back, I know you cut up a lot of coverage from the minor leagues of a lot of these international players, and I know their families greatly appreciate Never that them. because of that. Um, and throughout all of this, uh, being able to be there in person is just different and just so incredibly special. So that moment is – you can't put enough words of what that meant. And obviously, Bruce Dahl, who's been amazing this year, who's been incredibly reliable, that just meant so much to him. And that is what baseball's about. Yeah, and you get to see it a lot at the at – the high level in Michigan because you're talking about guys that are going from tropical climates and I mean by the time they you know hey you go to Rancho that's you know that's a little bit more familiar of an environment for them but going up to Midland Michigan and playing for Great Lakes that's really a change for those guys so you get to see that process very well so I'm sure you enjoyed that moment hey let's dive into Ryan Pepio six innings just the one home run to Parker Meadows of which later in the game and the I believe it was the seventh inning, I love that confrontation between Pepio and Meadows because Pepio showed you everything that he's about in terms of how he's matured. He got ahead with the changeup, which was awesome. And then hey, he had he got ahead in the count like, 
0-2. Then he dropped the changeup. We've talked about he's been able to shape his, his secondaries, you know, based on whether he needs a strike or whether he can. he's looking for swing and miss. So he threw a little smaller changeup to get ahead. He threw a bigger changeup in an 0-2 count. Meadows didn't. He didn't bite at it. Then he threw a smaller slider, then a bigger slider, and then he came with a get-me-over changeup again to get Meadows to just barely hit it on the end of the bat and fly out. I thought that sequence right there, you know, and you could tell he threw the four-seam up in the zone with, I believe, a one-two count, and you could tell that home run that Meadows hit off of him was still on his mind. He hit the fly ball to left field. I thought that sequence right there just went to show exactly how much Ryan Pepio has matured, and when you back that up with he went six innings in his last performance, although he did give up the two home runs. So he has given up three home runs in his last two outings, okay, and and he gave up some runs in his last outing. I think Ryan Pepio has just absolutely, to this point, slam-dunked the the fact that he is going to pitch in the postseason. And a really cool one of the questions DMAC asked was, what role? I said starter because I like the routine aspect of it. You know, when you watch these starters get through their routine between their long toss, between their their weighted ball, their bullpens, and all that, I think the rookies, it would, it would behoove them to have that routine. I think when you piggyback a guy, you take a little bit out of way. But it was cool to see that they're really trying to, you know, they're trying to see what they have as far as, you know, pitching-wise in the postseason by piggybacking Ryan Pepio last night and seeing how he would handle it. Yeah, no, for sure. And he stepped up and he's shown up for each of these moments. He showed up that he's shown the fact that he has the ability and he is forcing his way onto this postseason roster and forcing his way into the starting rotation for the postseason roster. Whether they utilize him starting in the second inning, they throw in a bullpen arm if they like some of their matchups or not. Uh, He's going to be pitching a lot for the Dodgers this postseason and I think uh, from what he's shown recently I think he's going to be extremely successful he's starting to learn that quote-unquote art of pitching uh, as former Tigers broadcaster Jim Price used to say quite a bit Uh, and you talked about it during that during that at-bat with Parker Meadows, just his ability to mix up different pitches, mix up different shapes of pitches, whether they're a harder slider or a little bit of a shorter slider, Um, just his ability to find ways to get out and also provide length on top of that, being able to go six innings, get it through seven with just him and Ferguson to start the game. Uh, Ryan Pepio is going to play a major role on this team, which going into obviously a month, month, two months ago, didn't really expect. The season has had a whole bunch of twists and turns that we didn't expect. But one of the unexpected, or actually for us, a little bit more expected uh, positive things is just how good Ryan Pepio has been for this team and how much he's going to mean for them going into the postseason. The thing about him, hey, the, the strike throwing plus the sequencing. You know, I've, I've went through the sequencing in a specific example like you just said a second ago with Parker Meadows. And then the tunneling. You know, I know Jessica Mendoza hit it on that. You know, when you're throwing that four seam, and he did a great job of commanding both sides of the plate with that four seam, but he specifically did a great job on that arm side, which is the inside corner to right-handers. And then he would tunnel that changeup off that same location 
and it would take a little bit of a right turn, and it was just given the Detroit Tigers hitters fits. So, hey, the tunneling, the sequencing, the strike throwing, the mound presence, it was all there from Ryan Pepio. So I can't explain to you how pumped I am about that. You know how big of a fan we are of his on Dodgers Daily. So, okay, the Dodgers right now on their roster, Austin, they have 14 pitchers. We know that come postseason, you can only carry 13. Of those 14 pitchers, that does include Gavin Stone. That does include Emmett Sheehan. It does not include Kyle Hurt. It does not include Michael Grove. Okay? And so, where, where do you make the cut there? So, basically, you have Emmett yeah. Sheehan. You have Emmett Sheehan. You have Gavin Stone. You have Kyle Hurt. You have Michael Grove. Maybe even Alex Vesia. All those guys. Somebody, you know, between, there's three of those guys that aren't going to make it. Who's it going to be, do you think? I think it's too early to tell. I think the Dodgers are going to take this right up into the end and try to figure out who's hot. Because a lot of times you have to get the guys who are playing the best during those situations. So I think it's going to be who's hot. And if it's not who's hot, uh, then it's going to come down to a decision of do we want to take a guy who's had perhaps a little bit more big league experience or do we want to throw out some of the – different philosophies, different shapes that we want. Uh, this is a little bit of a uh, question that is above my pay grade. There's yeah, a lot of yeah. people within the Dodgers organization that are making these decisions that uh, know that are going to, that are going to make the proper decisions uh, hopefully with, with regards to this, but I think it's going to come down to the last day of the regular season. Yeah. And and I think it's also going to come down to, hey, if it's a five-game series, if we only need three starters, you know, you have Clayton Kershaw, you have you have uh, Bobby Miller. Those are going to be your first mm-hmm. two-game starters. And then it's going to come down to, we'll get to hear him in, in a minute, hey, Lance Lynn, Ryan Pepio, who do you want your third starter to be? I think at this moment, of course, I've teeter-tottered on this almost like I did every day. It seemed like for a while when I kept talking about the bullpen <laughs> Earlier in the season, it just seemed like I was changing my mind every day. Coach Holt probably, we'll see if he agrees, agrees with me on this Friday, but I think if you started tomorrow, your three starters, my opinion, now whether you piggyback them or whether he's your bulk inning guy, whatever terminology you want to use, I think your, your three either starters and or bulk inning pitchers would be Bobby Miller and Clayton Kershaw in the first two games, Ryan Pepio in the third game. I think Lance Lynn, I think there's still a lot of evaluation to be done on him. Yeah, no, I think you're right about this. And I've been pretty consistent as far as Lance Lynn should be one of the starters in the postseason. Uh, if you were to start tomorrow, Ryan Pepio's got to be there because he's pitching the best right now. That doesn't mean Lance Lynn won't have a role in the postseason. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have the opportunity to prove himself. But right now, Ryan Pepio has forced his way into that number three starter type role by his production. And this the production that you have ultimately is going to determine what your role is on this team in this postseason, especially in the rotation staff. And right now, Ryan Pepio is pitching the best. So, of course, he's going to be there above Lance Lynn, uh, even though Lance Lynn could still and probably will still have some sort of impact on the Dodgers this postseason. Yeah, the thing about Lance Lynn that that – I came out of his just. This is just me. I came out of his last performance with more questions and more concerns. I think than I did answers, and that's because in the first two innings he walked two guys and hit a batter. 
Then he also gave up a home run, which we know he, he has the propensity for giving up home runs. So if he's going to give you three free bases in the first two innings of a game, you know, and, and have the, the, the background of giving up home runs, that's potentially giving up. You know, you can live with the solo home runs like Pepio gave up last night. And the reason why he gave up a solo home run, just one walk all night. So if you're walking two guys and hitting a guy within the first two innings of your game and you have a propensity to give up home runs in the playoffs, that's a that's a formula that you might end up down four nothing before, you know, it's the third inning. And oh, I yeah, just dude. don't think the Dodgers I mean, of course you have the do, you do have the offense that can overcome that. We've seen it all year, but that's not a situation you want to be in. No, not at all. You're playing with fire when you're walking guys, when you're giving up free free base runners. Uh, and this is the analogy that I've used throughout the Loons postseason is uh, if you have a lot of base runners that are getting on, even if they're not scoring, eventually that dam is going to break. And so if you're adding in uh, Lance Lynn, who is prone to give up a lot of home runs, that makes that fire even more likely to happen if you're giving up walks if you're giving up hit by pitches uh just mistakes uh in command um that is a recipe for some danger and that is a a cause for some serious concern so with him uh if he's able to maintain himself stay in the zone uh be able to provide decent length i don't think i think we're just asking for uh an outing of three runs ish Yes. Um, living it to one or two runs, just keep the offense in the game. I think that is the recipe for him and for the Dodgers to be successful in his outings. But in the postseason, if he's struggling with command, I think you could see him potentially getting a pretty short hook, um, which is something that you often see with a lot of these starters. It's very different than the regular season. Mm-hmm. They're more than willing to pull him if he's off of his game. Yeah, and it's more about quality than it is quantity. A lot of times mm-hmm. in at 162, you'll lose some battles to win the war, meaning you'll let a guy stretch out knowing he might give up two or three more runs in that game. But, hey, it's going to save your bullpen, so it might win you two or three games down the road because you kept your bullpen fresh. That's not how you approach the playoffs. You cannot, you know, hey, it is win now. You can't afford to give up those two or three runs. So you're not trying to to lose battles to win wars in the postseason. You have to win every battle. So that's where the short leash comes in. That's where my concerns are with Lance Lynn. That's where, in my opinion, Ryan Pepio has leaped him because Ryan Pepio is not walking people right now. Just one walk last night, and he has all the shapes, and he has all the different ways of approaching hitters. So it just seems like to me the Dodgers are making two different bullpen rotations. Rotation number one, I think this is, would be the go-to one. You have Bruce Dargraterol, you have Ryan Brazier, Ryan Yarbrough in some form, you know, whether it be a piggyback or whether it be maybe even an open. And then you have uh, Ryan Brazier, and then you have Evan Phillips finishing the game. That seems like that's rotation number one. And then, you know, you have your second rotation where Joe Kelly might get the last three outs if Evan Phillips isn't available. And then you have Shelby Miller that can come in as well. You have Caleb Ferguson and then maybe even an Emmett Sheehan or a Gavin Stone. So it seems like the the Dodgers, they have two different rotations working right now as far as their bullpen goes. And I think they've separated it pretty good and made two different, you know, setups for their bullpen that have a chance to be very successful. 
Yeah, no, then this is this is a time to figure how you want to get that set up. What are some of the combinations of pitchers that are just going to make it incredibly difficult to for batters to go up against if you're dealing with different shapes, if you're dealing with different motions, or just something that might be slightly different that might uh, cause the batter to lose some of his timing. All of these things, the makeup of the bullpen is something that this front office, this player development – all of this staff is working on to try to create the best possible matchups because in the postseason, you want to have just those slight advantages because those slight mm-hmm. advantages can turn out huge in those big moments. Uh, so they're working on that. They're working on getting things set up. Uh, right now, there seems to be some sort of formation of how they want to go about attacking this. Uh, we'll see how that continues to progress as they work on the last two or three weeks of the season. Boy, and how about Freddie Freeman? Okay, he, he's gonna he's gonna have sixty doubles, two hundred hits on the season. Wow, what well, you know, just what an amazing season he's had. How about JD Martinez? Okay, two seventy on the season, two ninety five. Uh, OPS one eleven ninety two this month, but that's not the impressive part of what he's done. He's five for his last six with three home runs. And I know, hey, being former with the Tigers, you're in the Michigan area. I'm sure that doesn't surprise any of you guys up there. He's three forty six in his last seven games, three twenty seven in his last fifteen, three eighteen in his last thirty. So JD Martinez has been simply fantastic. Miguel Rojas has started to hit some home runs to add with James Alpin, who's been getting on base a lot. So uh, a lot of a lot of uptrends plus Mookie Betts. He had the three hits last night. There's a lot of upticks to this offense right now. Although they didn't oh, yeah. score a whole lot last night. Yeah, and part of it, you're going to have some of those games where you don't have the run total that you are desiring, but there can still be a lot of good things that you saw on the offense, which is what we saw last night. Obviously, J.D. Martinez hitting all of the home runs against his uh, former squad that gave him the opportunity and the showcase the abilities that he had most uh, was really cool to see. Um, not really for Tigers fans a whole lot this time, but uh, being still being able to see him um, show some success there. Uh, and just up and down, Miguel Rojas being able to provide some offensively is really valuable and something that just adds a little bit more to this offense. Can't say enough about Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts. They're just simply incredible. Whatever way you want to slice it with their numbers, uh, just phenomenal, phenomenal seasons. And the Dodgers are incredibly lucky to have two probable future Hall of Famers on, on their lineup starting every single day for this team during the prime of their careers. Uh, you can't ask for much more than that. To back up a little bit, I think the Dodgers are still trying to figure out the exact role for Alex Vesia and or Caleb Ferguson and, and exactly, you know, how much they're going to use or what role they're going to use those two in the playoffs. But, yeah, okay, Max Muncy, I know you're a statistician, Austin, so you'll like this. Max Muncy, he has more RBIs than he has hits, which was why last night was just so just – I mean, it's like the, the, this whole season's been so unpredictable. You know, you win a walk-off on Max Muncy getting a base hit, which was awesome. And then, hey, by the way, when Mookie Betts slid in head first, it was like, oh, as I don't, please don't get hurt, Mookie. And you could see Mookie about halfway through the slide. He was like, oh, we're going to win the game, but oh, please don't get hurt. And he came out of it injury-free, so that was cool. <laughs> so the unpredictability of Max Muncy, who has more RBIs than he does base hits, 
getting a walk-off single. That was incredible. So, hey, the statistician in you, Austin, might ask, has there ever been a player in the major leagues that finished the season with more RBIs than hits? Well, there actually has been. Mark McGuire and Paul Sorrento have done that. So that's a unique situation, isn't it? Yeah, you're in a you're in a rare breed right now, uh, and yeah, Max Muncy is uh, obviously is a unique type of player, but kind of fits a lot with some of the more modern day players as far as some of the differences, some of the vast differences between some of the players from older generations to some of the things that they want some of their guys to do, at least part of their roster to do in this new generation. Max Muncy, you talked about more RBIs than hits. Um, I, I talk about his uh, 120 WRC plus and his almost three F war that he has going right now. Uh, all of these different things show that he is still throughout looking while looking past the some surface level stats he still is incredibly valuable to his team even though there might be some ups and downs a little bit of longer valleys between some mm -hmm. of his uh successes when he does hit he mashes and mm -hmm. that's what you see with the rbi total he can come in incredibly clutch something that is needed for this team something that is needed for all teams, especially going into the postseason, having those clutch moments, having that history of clutch hits too, um, and just his ability to hit the ball hard, hit the ball far, uh, even when that comes with an element of swing and miss, you can still find value in that. Yep, and I think him. I, I think the way that he plays offense is perfectly niched for the Dodgers. I think if you put him like with the Oakland A's, or something. Every time he came up, nobody was on base, and so you know he's he's striking out a lot, but then hitting a home run every now and then, and 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 he his RBIs would be way down. So then you wouldn't be able to say, well, he, he wouldn't have this WRC plus with those guys because he wouldn't be driving in three runs every time he got a, a home run. He'd be hitting solo home runs. So I think at that point, I think the way that he plays offense is perfectly niched for what the Dodgers need out of him in this lineup. And same with Chris Taylor. I think that's the value that they have given this club the last couple of years because they've had the type of offense that the Dodgers have needed at their spot in the lineup because you have the Mookie Betts, you have the Freddie Freemans, you have the J.D. Martinez's, the Will Smiths, and guys like that, that that can balance all that out. So that has been simply fantastic. Okay, let's get to your sweet spot. You are sitting in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. First of all, you know, hey, yesterday, last night's game, Robo was dealing when I went on with DMAC, he asked me, one of the guys who's had the best year, I immediately went to Robo. What a great year he's had, but I've got to ask you, you're in Iowa. Did you go to the Field of Dreams? I actually, so funny enough, I was actually in Iowa about three months ago. Okay. Uh, so I actually, yeah, so I got to go on a road trip during the summer. and got to go see Tulsa down in Springfield. As part of that, we actually cut over to Iowa first and got to go nice. see Field of Dreams there. Got to so, go see the Quad Cities River Bandits in their stadium. Uh, such good staff, good people over there. Uh, so we haven't made the stop to Field of Dreams this time. I actually, uh, funnily enough, have to work on this trip too. And so uh, I'm working and going to this games, just, just, just maintaining a little bit of craziness, a little bit of busy during this trip. Uh, so I haven't made it, made it over this times, but I was there about three months ago. 
So take us through last night's game. I know it rained out. Robo was dealing. The loons were up one to nothing. Take us through. You were there. So take us through the whole thing. Yeah, no. So uh, just a little bit of context in case you haven't been had the chance, the opportunity to uh, look at this series and look at this season through the Great Lakes Loons perspective. Uh, Great Lakes Loons, phenomenal, phenomenal season. Best first half ever in the Loons history. Uh, make it to the postseason because of that first half win. Uh, and then they go up against Fort Wayne, win the series 2-1. to one. Extremely happy, extremely excited about it. They're going up against a, July, a, a Goliath right now in yeah. the Midwest League in Cedar Rapids, who has just he has been the best team consistently in the Midwest League this season. Who are they and affiliates of? They are the affiliates of the Minnesota Twins. Okay, so they go so, from there to Wichita. Nice. Okay. Yep. Yeah. No, and they've got a good run organization. They've got a lot of good people over there. You know, um, Wichita has been really, really, really good for like three years oh, yeah. in a row. So Minnesota ought to be. Getting getting to the, one of those runs where they ought to be pretty good, but not to cut you off, so continue oh, yeah. with the Great Lakes there. No, and if you look in up and down their roster, they've got a lot of guys who have been extremely productive, especially offensively, um, which kind of goes into some of the further points that I'm going to make. Um, game one of the series happens, and it was, it was a battle that the Loons and the Colonels went through. Um, unfortunately, the Loons had a 6-5 to five lead that they ended up giving up in the ninth. Um, they asked a little bit too much, you could say, uh, from some of the guys in their bullpen, ended up losing that game, uh, which was devastating to that team. I can imagine the eight-hour bus drive from Midland, Michigan to Cedar Rapids was just devastating. And so you go into game two, a deciding game two, where if you lose, your season is done, uh, where you don't know how your guys are going to react. Um, I was there and the guys were fired up. They were determined. There's no team that I've seen in the Midwest league who wants this more than the loons that perhaps that's a biased take. I see the loons all the time, but I also know what this team means to them, to the players. I know what this team means to the city because it wasn't just the players that arrived in Cedar Rapids that made the eight hour trip. They had pr- probably all of their front office staff there. They had probably another 30 to 40 fans that made the eight hour trip. So well, they shut down members. their whole social media for a day. They shut down <laughs> their whole travel. With yes, them, yeah. They shut down their whole front office front office um you had guys that were there to trade sunflowers with seeds with some of the players in the bullpen you had guys who are season ticket holders who go to every single game make the trip to go watch this team out in cedar rapids you had family members you had other guys who were there um just the what this team means to this community what this team means to everybody in midland and to what this team means to the players it's just different, and you could see that going into that game. You could see the emotion that he has. Um, so we go into the actual game, and obviously it's a battle. Cedar Rapids wants to win this championship incredibly bad, too, just from a little bit of a different perspective. And so they get the fans there. The crowd is going nuts, uh, and Robo is on the mound. Now, Robo has been the most consistent, reliable pitcher the Noons have had all season. Somebody that's been able to be productive, but also be able to 
have length, which is something that at the minor leagues you don't always get, whether that's limitations that the Dodgers set yeah. or whether that is um, they're just working on different stuff. Robo has been able to provide that. And it's funny enough, we talked about a week ago after his start uh, against Fort Wayne in the playoffs, just how good he was, even in that loss. Uh, and I just spoke praises to what he was able to do. Um, he was better than that yesterday. He was determined. He was efficient throwing strikes. He was striking batters out. He got clutch double plays. T.Y. was able to, Taylor Young was able to turn double play, uh, 4-3 unassisted. Um, and he was in this game. He was going toward, this meant so much to him because this means so much to these guys, just their competitive nature, just everything that they battled and gone through this season. Um Third or fourth inning, I don't remember which one. I think the fourth inning, um, Alex Freeland hits an absolute moonshot. And it's got to be one of the prettiest swings that you've ever seen. Uh, and the way that we were sitting, I was sitting over by the third base loons dugout. And just the uh, trajectory that that baseball has. Uh, it's just, it was just amazing to watch. You could see the crowd for the Great Lakes loons going absolutely crazy there. Um, so then we get to about the fifth inning, and there had been prospects of rain throughout the game, and it's coming down fairly decently. But they decided to go back out there uh, for the fifth inning. Loons go up to bat. Uh, they get a base runner. Bubba hits a base hit, base hit the center field. There's two outs. They're kind of playing through some tough rain. Uh, and then during uh, Jake Vogel's at-bat, there's lightning. Now they decided to play through the lightning, even though it's probably in the area. Um, and so they get through Vogel's at-bat. He strikes out. Uh, and then they decide to call it. And mm. that that was extremely upsetting. Not if you just get through the five, team. the game's over? It, I don't think it necessarily was that. I think it was the... I think that's part of that, obviously. Um, but I think, to be fair to the Colonels, you want these games to finish off completely. You don't want a rain-shortened game to either end of the season or be a deciding factor in what the season actually has. I think what was frustrating most and most disappointing about this is Robo didn't have an opportunity to show just how good he could be because he would have taken that opportunity and just lit up the Colonels in that roster. I, I tweeted out uh, last night that the Colonels got lucky because Robo was absolutely dealing. Um, that's because the Colonels got lucky and Robo was absolutely dealing and he would have absolutely shoved. Um, so that creates a little bit of a pickle. Uh, it can, the championship, barring rain, will be decided tonight. Okay. So finished finished last night's game plus another one. Hopefully. Yes. So they are going to resume last night's game from the bottom of the fifth inning. Loons are up one nothing. They're going to finish off that nine inning game. Then when it goes to a game three, I'm going to. You can fill in the blanks of how that goes to a game three. Um, it is going to start 30, 40 minutes after that completed game. It is going to be a game-deciding, championship-deciding, seven-inning game is what they came to a decision okay. of. 
okay, interesting. So that's interesting that they they both agreed to the seven inning game for the championship game. Very interesting. It is that's, it is yeah. very interesting because that shortens the length. Obviously, you're dealing with part of an additional game tomorrow as well. That shortens the length of the game, meaning it's going to be a sprint instead of a marathon for the conclusion of game number two. And then if necessary for the entire game three, which means you're throwing out, you're throwing out your best relievers. You're throwing out every possible guy that you can to win those games. And I know for the loons, I, I can speak for them because I know a lot of these guys, I, been following them all season Mm -hmm. they're gonna they're gonna be ready they're gonna be emotionally invested in this game i know the fans will all show up and return and going to try to will the team that just means so much to this city means so much to this organization uh try to will them to their second ever midwest league championship so We'll see what happens tonight. Regardless, it's been an amazing season. I'm sure we'll have a chance to reflect on that uh, in a little bit. But Mm -hmm. tonight is a very important night for people within the Dodgers organization. So we'll see how it goes. So I'm going to try to get Ryan Fala back on to the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes lost last night in a high-scoring game. So they lost their championship series 0-2. So their, their, their season came to an end. And there was no video of it, so what I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try between today and tomorrow, get Ryan Fala back on the phone so he can talk and tell you all about that series and and put a bed and a bow on that Rancho Cucamonga Quakes season to this point. So not going to cover a whole lot of them today. Last night, Kyle Hurd pitched in a piggyback scenario behind Brian Hudson. He went three innings and gave up a couple of runs. Miguel Vargas had a couple of hits, but beyond that, you know, hey, I think the rosters are pretty well set as far as position players. So we'll get a little bit more into Oklahoma City. They have like five or six games left. But, hey, wanted to make sure and get all into the all, – all focus right now on the minor league level. You know, I think from, from even the Dodgers brass right now is with the Great Lakes Loons. And how lucky are we to have an insider with us in Austin Brubaker who is there to watch it and give us the in-depth – you know, descriptions of all of it. One last question about the Loons. Do you think they'll go with the starter to finish the first game and then make the second game a bullpen game? Maybe Ronan Kopp gets to start or something like that in either one of those two games? Or will they finish with the bullpen in the first game and then have your traditional starter in the second game? That's a really good question, and I don't necessarily know the game. Obviously, that throws a wrench into whatever they had planned for the postseason. I know they can adapt. I know they're going to utilize all of the guys in the bullpen. Jack Dreyer has going to pitch multiple innings for this team, most likely. Uh, You're going to see Ronan be able to pitch probably two innings because he pitched on Sunday. He's had just about enough rest to where he's probably going to pitch multiple innings. Uh, They're going to throw guys out there. They're probably going to throw Michael Hobbs back out there maybe for an inning. Uh, because he's been so good for this team. He's meant so much uh, to this Loons pitching staff. Uh, Benoni is probably going to get an inning or so. You've got a lot of guys out of this bullpen that they can utilize. Um, I think they likely go – Maddox Bruns is going to pitch in some capacity tomorrow. He was the scheduled game three starter, uh, so he's going to go. You're probably going to see – and this could be a uh, – piggyback 
piggyback type starter, just an unusual piggyback type starter with the suspended game, potentially Jared Karos yep. making an appearance. Uh, he pitched on Friday. It's been about five days or so. You could potentially see him going a little bit because he's been in his outing in Great Lakes. You, you can't ask for any more than what he's been able to provide. There are a lot of different options that they can utilize. Obviously, it's disappointed because I think Robo is out for mm. tonight's game, uh, which you would have loved to see him be able to fight, be able to compete for that. Um, but they have a lot of guys that they can utilize. They're going to utilize every single one of those guys because every single person within that staff, every single person within the organization is focused and fighting so incredibly hard to win the championship tonight. So they're going to utilize all of their different options. And if Cedar Rapids beats the best, beats our best, then they'll deserve it, and we'll see what happens. Hey, one of the questions that DMAC asked was hottest takes as far as what the, the action in the minor league system. My hottest take was, you know, hey, the Dodgers have had three guys make their major league debuts this year that were all in high A at some point last year. Gavin Stone, Emmett Sheehan, Kyle Hurt. So my hottest take was I really, I really think – don't have it confirmed. I think Ronan Cobb hit 99 the other night. I do have 98. You confirmed 98. You were actually there and saw it with your own eyes. My hottest take was I think there is a chance that Ronan Cobb could make his major league debut as early as next year. Is that a little bit too ambitious? No. No. That is not ambitious at all because of how dominant he is. I, I think it depends on what sort of role – they want to utilize him if they decide to keep him in a starter role, which he was really good at this season. Perhaps there's a little bit more that you want to work on. You want to build up some of his innings. If they decide to use him in a reliever, it's lights out. It's game over. He's going to be up in the big leagues pretty soon. He's going to get opportunities to compete against double-A pitchers. Um, but I think what we've seen across ma ma Major League Baseball is this move towards a lot of these younger guys, a move towards, hey, these pitchers seem to be breaking quite a bit. Let's yeah. let's use them in the Major Leagues earlier so then we can get more out of these guys. Mm -hmm. And I think with it, arm talent like Ronan Kopp, with the just uniqueness of his um, arm angles with uniqueness of some of the stuff that he's able to provide some of the angles that he can provide because of the length Extension, that he has yeah. um i think is going to be utilized so i think next year obviously he's going to start off in tulsa i don't think there's much of a question about that and then it's going to be if he if he shoves it in tulsa which is uh, a little bit more of a hitters-friendly environment. I think he's off in a way uh, going to make leaps and strides and going to force his way onto the Dodgers sooner than later, especially with him being a unique left-handed pitcher. That's There's no doubt that he is going to move quickly in this organization. And now they've created versatility. He's been a starter up until about the last month. He's been a dominant reliever since, so they can use him in every which, you know, kind of like the Ryan Yarbrough, but a Ryan Yarbrough who's six foot seven and can touch almost a hundred miles an hour, you know, imagine that at the major league level. That's what he could provide. But hey, this has been a great show. Great to get you finally back on the horn. Great to get a show back out there. I think the last time we talked was Saturday morning. So final thoughts before we get out of here, Austin. Big night tonight, obviously. Yeah. Uh, for me, for the dedication that 
all of these guys have put in for the fans in Great Lakes. That that obviously is kind of where my focus is at. Uh, so should be a good night. Could be a heartbreaking night, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. I have confidence in these guys' ability. And regardless, it's been so amazing and incredible and such a privilege to watch these guys grow up and just show, um, just show a competitive spirit and just show the – it just shows so much for this community, shows so much for this team. Uh, Dodgers have a lot of fun young guys coming up. A lot. They got a culture built up of competitiveness, a culture built up of winning. And that part excites me just as much as some of the success that the team is having right now, because this is how you build sustained success. It starts with the culture. Dodgers don't have the highest draft picks. They, they're they never going to have that with their big league success. But you have a culture set up in place to where you can continue to develop these guys. They know the guys that they want, the guys that they can utilize at the minor league level. They got the best scouting staff and they get some of the best minor league players across all of the land, internationally and domestically. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about. Big night tonight. Dodgers continuing to work towards that postseason, working to continue to find answers. Uh, Rancho fought so hard for their team. I know there is a lot of frustrating stuff about that game uh, last night. They worked so hard, and you got to be so incredibly proud of what they were able to do. I know that sucks for a lot of the fans over there who, who were really dedicated to that team as well in Rancho. Um, gotta you gotta take a moment to be able to take a step back and just appreciate the accomplishments and the success that mm-hmm. that team has. It, it might take a couple days to be able to do, uh, but there's a lot of fun guys coming up, even through the lower minor leagues as well. So, big picture, a lot of good things happening. Big night tonight, though. Hope to have Ryan Fala on to for the Down on the Farm segment for Friday, so he can put a bow on that. Hope to get your thoughts between now and Friday about how things went tonight for the Down on the Farm segment for Friday, and then hope to have Coach Holt join us again. So super excited about that. Austin Brubaker, thank you so much. Thank you, Casey. Hey, fans, just a reminder that we are open for business. If you or somebody you know has a business that would like to sponsor this show, the Dodgers Daily Show, we do three days a week. Our Dodgers Dog Show, we do live on Wednesdays when we get around to it and or any of our social media platforms or DodgersDaily.net. You can either email me, leave a comment, or you can you know email me at DodgersDaily73 at gmail.com. That's DodgersDaily73 at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment or DM me. Hey, don't forget to leave a like, leave a comment, make sure to interact with this video, make sure your notifications are turned on. That way YouTube thinks this is the video that, or that knows this is the video that is getting watched and, and it's something that other people like. And so to keep recommending it, we'll get more views and continue to grow. So another thank you to Austin Brubaker for joining. And as always, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in and go Dodgers.